Warning, it is the opinion of the Forestry Productions LLC and the Working Perspectives podcast that we should inform you that some of the language used in this recording could possibly be considered offensive. You have been warned, so if you decide to listen to the recording, then don't complain about the language. Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things and real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied today by the one and only Rich Lada. In case you're wondering, you can find all our stuff and all our content and all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can us on Instagram, Working Perspectives Podcast. You can join us on the Twitter and the Tiki Talk, the Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workperspectivesgmail.com. And please like and subscribe so we can keep this party going. Rich, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Well, speaking of being ready, this is the Working Perspectives Podcast. Let's get this thing started. Let's go. It's our objective to be effective by voice in societies. Working Perspectives. Exploring your day and how you get paid. Launching a new episode every Tuesday. Your day can transform while we inform. So check out our vibe and how we get live. They're doing us a solid. Share and subscribe. We're just sharing. We're just sharing. We're just sharing. Working perspectives. So, on the show today, we have the owner, operator, and proprietor of the Hensler Gracie PA Academy in Hatfield, Rich Lada. You've seen him on an episode before with Sydney Outlaw, episode available now on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Work Perspectives Podcast. Rich, thanks for being on the show. Pleasure. Pleasure. So, first thing I wanted to ask you, you do it, like we said, you own and operate the Hensler Gracie PA Academy in Hatfield, PA. Link will be in the description of this episode. Check us out. Uh, What got you interested in mixed martial arts initially? As a kid, mm-hmm. movies, of course, magazines, yeah, loved it. it. Was that and bodybuilding, fitness type, yeah. So that was that's what got me interested. Bodybuilding was everything back then, because oh, yeah. you could look at Stallone and Arnold and all those guys. They were and Van Dam, Van, Vander Holyfield was another. People didn't realize that he was a bodybuilder. They started out in bodybuilding. No kidding. Yeah, I mean he was. Yep. Get it. Yep. I tell you, he might be the best cruiserweight of all time. Oh yeah. So okay, so you're watching these movies and you're seeing like these things like Bruce Lee and all these stuff. But honestly, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu really wasn't popular in American culture back then. Even in like an entertainment standpoint, it was more karate based and things like that. So what was your first experience? Because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu hadn't really transitioned to the United States yet. What was your first experience with combat sports in general, i.e. wrestling, boxing, karate, anything like that? Um, Again, I think the movies, Mm -hmm. entertainment world kind of brought light to it. Yeah. You know, Bruce Lee, of course, Chuck Norris movies, yeah. liked yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, even the Karate Kid. Even the know? Karate Kid. Yeah. Right. Um, then you had some of the Steven Seagal movies later sure, on, kind sure. of brought a different perspective of, <laughs> yeah. of martial arts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think all of the above. Yeah. 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 
and then you just wanted so then did you seek out which one did you seek out first like what what uh what discipline was your first I, I i initially started out training in shotokan okay um, a japanese art okay so you see a lot of uh dutch kickboxing mm -hmm. um they use western boxing and a lot of it a lot of those schools over there in the netherlands have japanese names yeah um and a lot of uh their kicking style comes from that and and tie boxing oh wow so uh more the power end of it and, and the low kicks from more the tie end of it yeah a lot of the high kicks and the way they set them up like they call it the question mark kick it looks like a like a push kick a front yeah, kick yeah, yeah. a lot of that you started to see in like k1 in glory and that's more your japanese style okay uh fast snappy um misdirection sometimes yeah yeah yep, yep. Yo, i'll tell you there's some big sons of bitches in the netherlands man you yep, get yep. them throwing kicks and you see you've seen like um in the usc like machida mm -hmm. but you see if you look if you follow bellator yeah you look at a lot of middle eastern uh eastern european yeah. russian all have that same type of movement that comes from traditional martial arts yeah along with a lot of them have good wrestling backgrounds yeah so you see that elusiveness from that and that's why you see a lot of dutch kickboxing as far as their striking end of it mm. a lot of them came up doing traditional martial arts yeah more that japanese style yeah. some taekwondo some korean style but mostly a japanese style but that elusive footwork yeah. and movement that in out and uh not so much angles but more that in and out on your toes very very elusive very quick it's almost like playing tag yeah um hit not get hit yeah, yeah kind yeah. of the idea right yeah strike and move and then return yep yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. you see with the dutch you start to see more angles mm -hmm. um and that comes more from western boxing mm -hmm. you know you're not just standing in front and catching every yeah you know you're getting out getting off on those angles and setting up your next combo it's so you see the blend of the two yeah it is crazy too like when you go back and you look i was like when, when you know when i really started to dig in the history of boxing and things like that you do see like the european style the military style the u.s conventional style mm -hmm. right where it's like there is so it's 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 very different but it's almost the mindset of it's different in a way where it's like if you're gonna do european style it's front foot toes forward you're coming straight in yep. at him military it's kind of up and in like yep, a yep, joe yep, frazier yep, kind of yep. and then you know the u.s style it's you're in and out you're popping in and out returns well i slipping. think I, I, maybe it was rocky three or four yeah. when they saloon out on the west coast yeah. training at the gym you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and you started to see that style flat-footed just rolling to more up on your toes yeah more elusive yeah really pumping away with that jab using that for offense judging distance defense yeah um and, and you started to see that there there's you know it's just like anything else there's different styles mm -hmm. and different footwork and 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 sometimes when you start like that west coast had a lot of that big time um you know uh muhammad ali made it very famous yeah you know and, uh, oh yeah oh yeah big time and, and you know you're you're exactly right and the thing is with mixed martial arts and and combat sports in general they all kind of it's all like you know they make it the it, it's forever evolving right it is it mm -hmm. is so you're seeing footwork um taken from some of it from martial arts yeah and 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 being applied um to boxing and kickboxing mm -hmm. you know it derived yeah. from somewhere yeah right and then yeah. i go body types all right. So when you're coming up, and I know we've talked about this, you and me personally, you've done, you did some karate, taekwondo, I think it was. No, and, no, not, not oh. taekwondo. I did uh, Shotokan yep. karate. Yep. 
And then also you wrestled as well, right? I did in uh, junior high. Okay. And then, so you would do, you know, wrestling, basic things like that. But what would you say was your first introduction to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Um, Mid-90s, like yeah. 95. Yeah. Where were we at? Um, is actually a friend ended up meeting somebody that was already training, introduced me to come over for a training session, and yeah. then the rest was history. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was it. I loved it. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was I was fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. Um years ago, I did get exposed when when I was training in Shotokan, a guy came from judo. Yeah. And um there was you had more of the traditional sport judo, and then they had this combat judo, which had allowed some submissions. Mm -hmm. uh, straight arm bars were one. Mm -hmm. So I remember him showing me a straight arm bar, and I was like, I was he was like a brown belt, but he came over and started doing Shotokan. Yeah. Um, and I was fascinated by it. Yeah. Because I was yeah. like, holy shit, that freaking hurt. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it it got my interest. Um uh after high school, I had um looking for more uh different types of martial arts to train in uh, a friend of mine. There was a wrestling Sambo club in Philadelphia, Cotman in Frankfurt. Okay. Um, Gordon Aldi was his name. And he was one of the, one of two coaches here in America that actually taught Russian Sambo. Yeah. So um, invited me down and I loved it. And I would go down there and train down there. So they had, uh, they would run different clinics, freestyle, the collegiate wrestling, and then they would have Sambo there. Yeah. So that was my introduction to, um, submission grappling a different approach yeah you know it was different than jujitsu i remember when we had padilla on the show and that episode's available now on all podcast platforms and youtube at work effects podcast but we had padilla on the show he had said he you know he talked about how he wrestled and things like that his first brazilian jiu-jitsu session he's went in he's like i got my he's like i went in thinking you know i was good at wrestling i'm gonna whoop all these yeah. old guys ass <laughs> went in there got his ass whipped and was like this is for me yep you know yep. and i feel like is that kind of a similar thing where it's like you went in there maybe not got like you know you didn't go in there get ragged yep. or anything but you went in there like this is yeah, Incredible. I went in there with an open mind, but sure. yeah, thinking uh, I could probably hold my own, at least stall them out. Yeah. And I was sadly mistaken, but it, it actually, <laughs> that's what intrigues you. You're yes. like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, almost 30 years later, you you look back at that and go, wow, how naive. But it was yeah. interesting. Yeah. And even the different styles of uh, of grappling, Sambo versus Jiu-Jitsu. Mm -hmm. Um, you can see some of the relations yeah. uh, that it has, uh, and then you can see some of the differences. Um, like I remember training at the time, I was still a white belt in jujitsu, mm -hmm. but going down and training and and in the sambo class, and the guy ended up literally putting me in the half guard from the top position. I was in the bottom position. <laughs> And he had come around me and he actually took my leg and put me in half ground. That is odd. Like yeah. what, what are you doing? Bro? But they want to stay connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the difference. Yeah. And I thought that was that was that was odd. It was different because obviously if you pass someone's legs, why would you want to why would you want to hang out? Why yeah, would yeah. you put yourself back into that position? But they they looked at it differently. So it gave you a different interest, but a different sport, different rules. Yeah. And just like jujitsu, they have their no gi end of it. Mm -hmm. And they have their gi end of it. So it's a instead of a, a gi that they would wear mm -hmm. as a top and pants, they would wear a kirka. Okay. So the uh the, the understanding is with the with the jacket on more like judo. Oh, I see. So it actually had little um 
ledges on the sleeve and it was meant for grabbing and throwing oh i see okay and then the other version would be in a singlet like mm-hmm. wrestling yeah. so more freestyle yeah. based almost like catch wrestling so, and, yeah. so it's a combination of catch wrestling and freestyle yeah with submissions okay and then there were certain submissions that were allowed and other ones that weren't mm-hmm. um and then they had a military version of it which yeah. was Pretty much everything goes. So actually three versions of Sambo. And if you look at jujitsu, you got more of your MMA style. Yep. You got more of your traditional style with the gi, and then you have your no gi end of it. Um, And then you, that splits into Uh, a submission only. Would you even say too, like you're saying three, maybe out of fourth for like street style too, right? Like, cause you guys do incorporate, I know here and a lot of other places do incorporate like in a street street, street fight situation kind no, that, of. That, that's actually under more the traditional end of it oh okay so traditional jiu-jitsu covers self-defense yeah, yeah, yeah that's all part of that basic you're learning basic self-defense yeah um okay. i think actually gi jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and all the fundamentals and basics apply to uh self-defense i wouldn't it doesn't really it's not really sport sport you can apply it for sport but definitely for self-defense if you see uh, a lot of guys who compete in MMA, a lot of them are your traditionalists. They came up in the gi, learned the gi, yeah. um, and you can see a difference. Like they're solid. It takes longer, but it's way more technical. And um, you know, you got more submissions. Yeah. That's more stuff to get you know to be aware of. Yeah. You're not going to slip out of an armbar in the gi. Either no. You know how to get out, or you don't know how to get out. <laughs> the same thing with chokes. You got a piece of cloth choking you. So I think it actually makes you better. There's some people that say. Now I never trained in the gi. I'm fine, but I just go look at your last Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there might be guys at the top of the echelon. They're doing more no gi now, but they're they're good gi guys too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus somebody who's never trained in the in the gi. You know, you look like I said. You look at the last Abu Dhabi. Yeah. You know they're they they kind of fell short. I just think you got guys that now are solid in the gi, solid no gi, and they can put a set of gloves on and, and yes. convert that into MMA. Yeah. So that's dangerous. I yeah. think, yeah, now you're, they're very complete all the way around. They might choose to do more nogi because that's where they're get, making the most amount of money as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say though, I mean, I feel like this, if you're going to, in, in this time, in this context, when speaking of gi versus no gi, I would say that it is important to learn the gi just because it's more arrows in your quiver, man. Yep. You know, you don't like, Hey, maybe you might, a lot of people prefer no gi yep. to gi and that's fine. But if you're going to learn the sport, you need to learn all aspects of it. And it just helps you when you're like, you know, because you have to learn to trust yourself and trust your instincts. And it opens you up to more more avenues that you can go down, even if you primarily do no gi. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. think at a certain point, you should train at least up to a purple belt level in the gi. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to you're going to easily transfer over to no gi without any problems. If you take a no gi guy mm-hmm. and say he gets to maybe a purple belt level so somebody three to five years training yeah. right and that's training four days a week five days a week right yeah. um and you go to put a gi on them they're going to be lost yeah completely lost yeah if you take a gi guy and he takes the gi off and goes into no gi it's going to take him a couple days to make the adjustment here's the difference and i actually learned this from Hodger Gracie training with him. He was a brown belt at the time at the New York Academy. And Henzo had asked me to train with him after class. Yeah. And it was his first time. She can't remember. She was up there. <laughs> it was his first time training Nogi. I had no idea who he was. Yeah. I, he was young. Uh, he had some acne on his face. He was with his 16 <laughs> year old girlfriend. Yeah. 
And oh yeah. And Henzo was like, oh, can you try it? I didn't think nothing of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, no problem. I'll take it easy on him. And right. Henzo smiled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I was like 32 at the time. Yeah. And um how old are you? Like 18 or uh, he was 17. 17. 17. God, what really? a handful. I was oh. like, holy shit. So yeah. I get done the whole thing. And I yeah. remember asking him, like, what you the first time at Nogi. Like, what was the difference? He goes, being able to judge a different. Usually I have a sleeve. Yeah. I have the material. He goes, I realized I had to use my legs more. Mm-hmm. And that was a 17-year-old. Yeah. And he would look at, look, I mean, the guy, I mean, probably the most accomplished and uh, incredible. And he was incredible then. Like yeah. I said, it was, holy shit. It was an eye-opener. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't, he's not near the size he is now. Yeah. Um, but that's but, one thing I'll tell you, eat, leave the ego at the door, brother. That, yeah, when you're yeah. coming to this thing. That's one thing that you learn quick, but let's talk about this. So like you said, you would, you, you had mentioned that you would go up to New York and train up there. So you would, you would just, you got kind of a taste for jujitsu down here. When did you want to escalate your training and go up to New York? And how did you even hear about that? Again, another friend, Henzo, okay. had just opened up that academy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, ha- and would you say at this time, sorry to interrupt, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is just kind of getting into America at this time. Like UFC yeah. had introduced Hoist Gracie to the world. Yep. So everyone's like, whoa, what is this Brazilian mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu thing? And then once you hear another Gracie name, is yep. that kind of, yep. okay. You're talking 96 or 97. Oh, wow. In really that, early. Really early. Yeah. And he had opened up that academy. Mm-hmm. And again, another friend training up there. Um, he would already been with Henzo at his other academy. And, um, you know, that's that was kind of the gateway prior to that. Uh, had had met him at a uh, at a tournament also. Mm-hmm. And uh, had spent some time talking to Karen. Oh, okay. And that kind of, hey, they got the invite to come up okay. with our friend. Yeah. And so, then the rest is kind of history. Okay, at that so point. you were competing, and when you were competing, you run into everybody all over the sport, mm, yep. and then they're like, "Hey, this guy's opening up up here," and you're like, "All right, I'm yeah." Here. He actually, he actually, Henzo actually had talked to, to Karen. Okay, your wife Karen. Yeah, right? yeah, my wife Karen. Yep. Yeah. So, and so I was competing, and he had talked to her, and then she was telling him, um, you know what what we were doing, and he's like, "Oh, come on up," and we we knew a student of his already. And long story short, that's how we ended up up there. Okay. And then I realized I went up there and I was like, holy shit. Like everybody <laughs> was good. Ooh, yeah. Man. Everybody was good. I was like, holy shit. This is a, and super nice. Yeah. But went Rough, all up the black belt. Like there it was, it wasn't yeah. that many black belts. There yeah. was more purple belts. They were like the black belts back then, but everybody was good. And I was like, uh, and the way he instructed, I felt was very easy to learn. Yeah, it was very uh, down to earth. That's it his wasn't reputation confusing. even now, though. Oh yeah, no, he makes jujitsu fun and simple. Mm-hmm. It should be jujitsu for dummies. <laughs> yeah. You know, I trained with other people, and hey. I felt like, wow, this is a very complicated art. Yeah, like it. You can, you know, I mean, you've been training a while now. You can see, and I think it comes down to the person passing that information off. Yes. Um, and and that kind of. You know, you can either complicate or you can make it simple. Yeah. And I always go, think of what makes a, a Glock pistol and an AK so popular. Reliability. Yes. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, he makes it simplified. This is what you need to be concerned with. And even the gi, I remember him at a point I was like kind of struggling between gi and no gi making the transition. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was fumbling a little bit. And he's like, just train the same. Don't get confused. Pay attention to the collar a little bit, but you can use a lot. You don't have to use 
the sleeve grips and the pant leg grips as much. You can still just grab. Yeah. As you feel more comfortable, you can start utilizing that yes. more in your game. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Got you it. know, you're trying to be so technically correct. Mm -hmm. And when you're training or competing, you know, is you know, from boxing too, like you want to try and have the best technique and the best yes. perfection, right? Yes. But when the heat of the moment, you're getting tired, things start to get a little sloppy and fall apart. That's why you always train for perfection and make things correct. Mm -hmm. Because as you get tired, you know, things could kind of fall apart. You're going to go back on just what the body knows. Yes. You need your instincts. You need your muscle memory. Absolutely. Yeah. You're not thinking about how good does the, the technique look yes. or is it, is it yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, the heat of the moment, you make adjustments and it worked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's just through good training and good and, and good teaching. Yeah. Well, I would say, too, one of the things that you focus on and all the other instructors here, and I bet you got this from Henzo, and it, and it, and it amazes me because this happens every session where it's it's one little thing. Yeah, right? you're going over a move or doing something, and you're like, "God damn it, this just doesn't feel right." And you're like, "Oh, just move your hand an inch over." Or like even yesterday or the other day, we were going over that pass, mm -hmm. right? And I had the my hand in between the like S leg, right? Yep. Like S in between yep. leg, and I'm grabbing on top of the knee, and you told me no cup underneath it, and I was like, "This fucking changes yeah. that," and it was a my move my hand three inches, yep. and it changed everything. And I was like, oh, my God. Sometimes you got to watch. Like, I used to watch Henzo when he taught, too. And it would be some of the little things. And I would ask him afterwards. And um, he goes, no, no, that's that's correct. Sometimes you just got to watch. You know, as I'm talking, I might be adding steps. Yeah. Just so everybody gets it. You slow it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But if you're paying attention and as I'm speaking, you're going to see. Because obviously, when you start blending it together, there's steps that get you throw out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to make it complete um you know so yeah no even breaking it down like that i couldn't agree more would you say so i want to hear this though so you're living here in the hatfield you know pa lansdale pa area and you're going to new york what was the training schedule like like what was your schedule like tired yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it was it's a two-hour drive yeah. and you're going to the city oh. so that's two hours if you get lucky with traffic so about about an hour and a half, so it would be the uh, bus. Okay, get the but the bus at the charcoal diner. Okay, and uh, I would sleep on the way there. Yeah, get off the Port Authority. His first school was on Thirty Seventh and Eighth, so you walk three blocks. Okay, and train, mm -hmm. and then when you're done, I would sleep on the way home. So it's an hour and a half. So you would sleep on the way home, and then you get off up there in Allentown, and then I would drive home. Take me another forty minutes driving home, right? Jesus. So, um, but the bus primarily yeah yeah. We take yeah. the bus because you could sleep on the bus back then a bus ticket was 25 bucks round trip yeah okay you know what not I mean? a bad deal then. not a bad deal yeah and yeah. you were going up what three nights a week two nights a week and then um saturdays yeah, yeah. you know saturdays were a good day um that's a long session saturday saturday be all day Ooh. yeah 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 typically like a tuesday thursday during the day yeah uh or friday um and then um saturday. and then a saturday yes. and then did you meet coach greg up there as well no i met greg here same friend oh no shit yeah so, so he before the academy yeah that guy was a purple belt with um with Enzo, and then eventually he got his black belt yeah i think a lot of people know that so yeah a lot of people i, I assume that you guys met at Enzo's in new york but you yep. knew him before then mm -hmm. so you guys were at samba together and all no no, uh, no not samba he uh, greg's from the allentown area but he was friends with 
the, the, the guy who um, was training with Hendo originally. Oh, no. And Greg was training with him. And then I became friends. And then me and Greg started training together. And that's how that happened. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then, then, yeah. Then when we opened up our academy, he, he just, Came just, down with yeah, us, yeah. and everybody was down at our place. It's just a natural transition. So, yeah. okay, let's talk about that then. So, you're tra- you're training your you're training like hell up in New York, and then eventually you get the blessing from Henzo to open an academy mm-hmm. here. So, what was the process like of getting Henzo's blessing, and then also what was the process like of op- starting an academy here, and essentially a whole business? So, prior to that, we had. Um, a traditional martial arts school. So okay. we had, we had already had taught Shotokan there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you already and had that. was that a in. pretty busy school. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Gene Dunn, another black belt with Henzo was also, um, I think he was through the JKA organization, uh, okay. Japanese karate association. Yeah. Um, but he also, um, ran a Shotokan school and then taught jujitsu, um, in different classes. Kind of what we did. We okay. had, we had the Shotokan classes, and then we would have. But you, it was, prim- it was primarily a Shotokan academy with some jujitsu classes in there. Yep, okay. yep, separate. Everything was separate. Yeah. Um. Eventually, that. that and then, and, yeah, and then yeah. how how long till that flipped? Because it was a, like how many how many years would you say were you primarily like when you started introducing Brazilian jujitsu? How many years would you say did it take before jujitsu? Because jujitsu is the main focus. It started to pick up, but not near the Shotokan classes. Think about them. There would be 40, 50 people. Oh, you'd have wow. You'd have 10 people in a jiu-jitsu class. Oh, I see. You okay. know, so yeah, it took off, but not like what you're thinking. Okay. I know you... Yeah, like you the numbers of a jiu-jitsu class didn't surpass the numbers of a Shotokan no. class so, until a few years later. So, yeah, okay. and much later. In fact, um, we had started offering um, boxing classes and yeah. then Muay Thai classes. So Eric Uch mm-hmm. actually had started my my uh, Muay Thai kickboxing program yeah. and everybody knew Eric was sponsored by Fairtex, but I knew yeah. Eric when Eric was starting out, Eric had also trained up in Henzo's blue belt and jujitsu. Great, 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 great guy. Great guy. I mean, you know, crazy, tough, athletic Dude, guy. Head, head like a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, him both had boxed out of the same gym up at Larry's. Okay. And Larry, then, La- you're saying Larry Holmes and Ethan. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep, Larry okay. Holmes and Ethan. And then, um, he uh, gotten picked up by, he was with uh, Koban also up in New York. He had trained with him and then Fairtex had picked him up and he trained with Chung Sung out and out at Fairtex, but he had started the program there. And then we built off of that. I had also started a boxing program. They started to take off a little bit. I would probably say around 2005, 2006 is when you start to see more, People coming in for jujitsu, uh, Muay Thai, boxing, then you did Shotokan. Okay. I think that and was, that's when they started the Ultimate Fighter, too, I right around gonna, the same time. I was going to say that was the transition of martial arts in general, where, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk and I have no opinion really on the karate aspect, but karate gets a bad name when it comes to like the Miss Martial Arts game, where it's like, it just gets shit on because it was oversaturated with the Tiger Showmans and all these, you know, movies and the karate. It became like almost hey, a look gimmick. At the Tiger Showmans changed, right? Yeah. They're not what they were. No. They've changed. Um, I think what happened was, and you're kind of, and this is what scares me with jujitsu. Yeah. You're finding, you're finding people that quickly will change 
what they were doing to something that's favorable for the time mm-hmm. because it becomes a money thing. Yeah. So you're finding people that really should not be teaching jujitsu, advertising jujitsu or doing yep. anything with it. Yeah. Um, and putting jujitsu outside. Yeah. And then when you talk to them, they're like, Oh, I teach Japanese jujitsu or I teach American jujitsu. It's yeah. like, Oh my God, not this again. The same thing's starting to happen. So there, there, there's always those people, the used car salesmen of yeah. the martial arts world. Yeah. And what they do is they start to give jujitsu a bad name, just yeah. like it happened with traditional martial arts. Correct. I've obviously, um, you know, things had evolved in martial arts and it took some time. But things that evolved and people were now more aware of it. They just figured, oh, they're only seeing MMA. You know, that's not, I don't want to really go and beat somebody up. They weren't looking at jujitsu itself. They were looking at MMA and, oh, it's a, it's a fighting sport. Yeah. Well, that kind of started to change as people became more educated, became more mainstream. So I would say from Ultimate Fighter was like 2005, I think, right? Spike yeah. TV. Yeah. That kind of catapulted it. Yeah. People started cross training more. You still far, started to see more of the kickboxing and the boxing end of it became real popular. Jiu-Jitsu was still there, but not as it wasn't as common as it is today. Now I think um, Jiu-Jitsu has replaced the traditional Shotokan, Shotokan Taekwondo mm-hmm. type because people are educated now and they realize no, it's a self defense art. Probably the best self defense art. Agreed. Um, it's a great equalizer. And you're starting to see some of the traditional martial arts and the people who are deserving of teaching those arts come back. The problem is it was these guys that were used car salesmen that yeah. put Shotokan or Taekwondo on their storefront that probably shouldn't have been teaching. They were horrible. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had huge bellies on them yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. out of shape. Yeah. And, and there's no reason you can look at them and tell, like, I mean, if they said that they were a professional fast food eater, then I would say, yes, yeah, that's yeah, you. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, a beer drinker. Yeah. yeah, but they yeah. Go, this guy is five, six and he's 350 pounds. Well, Taekwondo requires a little bit of agility and just by your looks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not seeing that. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. I'm not seeing that. to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, they gave people a bad taste of, of um, these traditional martial arts. When you look at somebody like Machida, I think he kind of brought it back. If you follow Bellator and you look at a lot of those athletes there, um, a lot of them come from those traditional yeah. um, martial arts. You look at Wonder Boy Thompson, yeah. that same True. movement, it, it is effective. True. If applied correctly with True. the right instruction yes. and you start adding good kickboxing to it and good wrestling and good jujitsu, very effective. Very, yeah. um, and that's proven. Like I said, Wonder Boy Thompson, Machida, and then you look at some of the guys in Bellator. Uh, have a lot of that Eastern European traditional martial arts with jujitsu and wrestling, very effective. Mm-hmm. So I just think it was bad instruction. Um, and that's why you find a lot of humor, like master Ken, he makes fun of a lot of that yeah. because back in the, in the sixties and seventies, when that was popular, you also had a lot of these guys hijack it, yeah. say they were something they weren't yeah. smoke screen and mirrors. That's the same guy saying he was a Navy SEAL and he wasn't, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that, that's, that's what happened. You're starting to see it in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. People go, Oh, you know, I've had it where people go, Oh, I, I don't want to do jujitsu. I, I tried it at this place. And I didn't like it. And I go, who was it? And I go, there's no more smoke screen. I have no idea who this person is. You're telling me. And they're like, yeah, I got hurt. It wasn't, you know, they put me in the train live the first class, I mean, the very first class woman. So I've heard this over and over again. I said, this is what, when something goes mainstream mm-hmm. and you start to see it become popular and it's proven it's effective, 
But now you've get these people who hijack it, who shouldn't be teaching it, yes. teaching it. Yeah. And now someone goes and has a bad experience that's with them the rest of their life. Yes. Very rarely will they go to a legit school then and actually try at a legit place because they're so gun shy. They either got hurt yeah. or deterred um, or the people that were, it was just horrible and they yeah. just had a bad experience. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, we're hoping that that kind of, you know, yeah. the community, the jujitsu community sticks together. I think with, social media and all that, you can kind of pluck those people off before it gets started. But yeah. years ago, you couldn't. Yeah. Even back in 2005, smoke screen and mirrors. These guys had resumes. resumes. I mean, uh, they, they look like a Bible. How many resumes have you seen? Oh, yeah, they uh, trained in 20 different martial arts. It yeah. looked like a damn Chinese buffet. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would have them. How about a character come in and give me their resume to come in and train? Jesus. Why do you even want to be here? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a sushi chef at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and, love it too when like when someone has the balls to come in and say, like, I've never done anything, I'm like, perfect. Even yeah. better. We don't have you don't have to unlearn the dumb shit that they taught you. You know, I love it when they come in and they're honest like that. You do get those people though, because they're intimidated, right? They're intimidated coming in here thinking, like, well, you know, I gotta be somewhat gotta have some alpha in me and say I yeah. did this and this. Like, bro, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Everyone comes in here with a clean slate and you learn the right way. But I would say you're exactly right, where it's I think the brand name matters when it comes to this. Yeah. And like you're saying, there are there are instances and we don't have to get into it where it's like people try to take the brand and, and stuff like that. And that's I think I think the community itself does a good job of cracking down on that. And like yeah. people talk and say, like, that's bullshit. Don't know. And like, I think like I remember people would ask me when they wanted to get into jujitsu what to look for. I was like, first thing, better be goddamn clean. If you go into a place and it ain't clean, walk out, yep. right? You have to look at the facilities, but also if they have like, I called it like a first blood kind of thing or, or fresh meat where it's like you go in and you got to get thrown in the shark tank, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Because that shit ain't happening. No, those days are gone. And yeah. I think a, a good place, you don't need that. You go, no. I, you know, there's enough out there. You can research the school, yep. the instructor who runs the school, where he came from. I yes. might go better yet. The people that are there mm -hmm. and are learning. You know, sometimes you can look at white and blue belts, mm -hmm. been there, you know, six months to three years and go, wow, they're good. That's a good place. And Safe, that's going to give you a clean. good, you don't have to look at all the higher, because you could have phenomenal yeah. higher rank. That doesn't guarantee that you're doing it right. These people could be athletically gifted too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and could be good that way. But I go, when you look and you see range of ages, sexes, Yes. And everybody's got a solid foundation, yeah. you know, and they're good all the way around. That's probably a good place for you. So a little bit of research, go in yourself. Kenzo has all his, all his black belts on his website. You know, they're strong hands up. Oh, you can't so if you, oh, I didn't know that. So. So if you're researching a, an academy and the guy's claiming to be a Henzo Gracie black belt, yeah, you, right you can go on Henzo's website yeah. and be like, well, this guy's full of shit and this guy's full of shit. Wow. That's, that's incredible because yeah. that adds real value, like real value to that. Yes. Now that makes a big difference. And everybody that has an academy came up through him at the New York Academy. Has his blessing. Yeah. Has the family blessing. Yeah. You you're not doing it any other way. Yeah. And it should not be. Uh, let's keep talking about this. So, like we said, you when did you open the gym? Ninety seven. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, the Hendrick Lucy PA Academy opened in 97? 97. Uh, no, uh, we opened it. We had the gym in 97. We officially opened in 99 under Hendrick Lucy PA. Okay, so Hendrick Lucy PA in 99. That, so we're looking at 24 years. Yeah. That is incredible. Think yeah. about, like, I, I, you know, I wish, like, I mean, this the trends that have taken place. and Because fitness is so fashionable, where it's like there's a new trend every week. Like, I mean, 99, everyone's pounding creatine and doing and doing bench That's press I, said. I, started you know? out, I started out in the bodybuilding yeah, fitness end yeah. of it. um i was still doing martial arts but kind of was going that way yeah. um i was know, doing was some huge. fitness sports modeling she did it too yeah um for for athletic wear yeah um and you know then martial arts really started to take place so mid 90s i was looking at more because at that point, like UFC, I think 93 or yeah, 93 might have been the first UFC, mm -hmm. but it really didn't take place until like 94, 95, where you started yeah. to see it take off a little bit. But the fitness world was real big. Bodybuilding, fitness modeling, fitness competitions, a lot of that was big then. Yeah. And um, so I was kind of going down that road a little bit yeah. too. Yeah. Then I just got to a point where it was like a crossroad yeah. where – martial arts in general started to really blossom because of the usc yes and i kind of had to make a decision like because your time you know yeah, what i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. you made uh, the right between one. <laughs> between you know the fitness world and bodybuilding versus it's such different type of training yes. and you know for a while i try i did both but it was very difficult oh, you know i can't imagine um but then and then at a certain point you got to change the way you train it's geared different towards a sport than it is for you know, modeling and posing and stuff like that. That makes so much sense because I started here in 07. And even back then, the nutritional aspect of fitness and in fighting was non-existent. No. Like I was still running in, in plastic suits and, yep. and not eating and not drinking and, yep. and like starving yourself to the point of like muscle atrophy. Like we, we were doing all that still, yep. you know, because yep. yep. that's just because like we came up through wrestling. That's all we knew. But you were always big in – like, you had a hand in nutrition. Because remember, yep. we would bring in – what was it, eight weeks out? Yep. We had that stuff you brought in, yep. and you were like – I did all that. The eight weeks out? Yeah. So, like, but you guys were both real keen on the nutritional aspect yep. side, which was way ahead of the Josh game. Yep. With Josh Lynn, yeah. Yeah, yeah we worked on, that, worked on that end of it um, to we, create a product that we, could use for people that were competing in sports. Yes. And you – but, like – you got the nutritional side from the bodybuilding, would you say? Because that, like, yes. nutrition, that's been day one with yes. bodybuilding. A lot of, and right? a lot of the weight cutting end of it more so. And you start to see a lot of the weight cutting end um, in the mixed martial arts end of it coming back Big now. Time. Um, you know, there is some do's and don'ts, but that that part of it and the, and the process, you're seeing that yeah. come back. Um, and that was more correct than the trash bag Duh. and running in the steam shower or the sauna with wrestling. That, so that, you have nightmares about that. You know, shit, the bodybuilding you know? world was very good on that end of it. And the fitness world, as far as cutting weight yeah. and, and um, proper nutrition, that is, that was always a strong suit. And you have the, the best saying, and you said it on Sydney's episode too, you can't outwork a bad diet. Yep. You can't outwork a bad diet. And that's the damn truth. Yep. Yep. So, okay. When you first started the gym, what did you like, 
because you like you said shotokan was kind of the main not maybe not the main focus but that was where most of the the class people were coming in and jujitsu and then you also had boxing and muay thai which is really yep. have still been in they were still in the level. infant stages also yeah um because you didn't have group boxing back then mm -hmm. that was something that we created there was nothing there was yeah. no LA boxing yeah before any of that yeah and i remember talking to keith johnson who was one of larry's trainers up there and yeah. used to be my He's like, Rich, I don't think you could do it on a scale. I said, yeah, but you know something? Here's the difference, Keith. You never trained in traditional martial arts. Mm. I think boxing, you could teach like you do a traditional martial art. That's think about it. It's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's the warm-ups. Yep. Right? And then it's the, it's, it's, it's the um, the repeat. Yeah. Right? Traditional martial arts, you always go through the, the basic, the fundamentals, right? Yes. So you do your warm-ups, then you have your fundamentals you go through. So you're repeating that. And then technique, mm -hmm. you can do that with boxing the same. Mm -hmm. I actually started the boxing. The boxing, the, the boxing. See, boxing. that honestly, now that you yeah, mention it, you are a hundred percent right. Cause when I was a kid, there was no class you could no. go to. You could have a trainer and you could go there. And then there were sparring sessions and all that nonsense. But you're exactly. And then you built it like you had the, like even at the old place, you had the heavy bags yeah. around, it, you it, know, it was set up for group training, but like a martial art. Yeah. If you look at jujitsu, it's taught like a lot of your traditional martial arts. Now mm -hmm. it's the same thing mm -hmm. over the years. It's actually gotten better. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, if you want for all those listening, there'll be a link to the Hensler Gracie PA YouTube page in the description of this episode. Highly suggest checking out and subscribing. Yeah, they uh, they actually, I was going through it the other day. There's an old video of me and Harry doing yeah. this. Yep. Oh my god, so, <laughs> 11 a, years ago, or a lot of people don't realize when you went to a boxing gym down the city, yeah, it basically had old cruddy equipment that the Y threw out, they took on, was, there would be one or two heavy bags, yep. Um, and basically it was just, it, it was like a boys club. Yeah. It, you went there to just get off the streets, get a little workout. The yeah. trainers you had to pay for. Yeah. So there was no free trainers. Maybe if you were a young athletic kid and you were it. like eight, nine years old, if you were like 16 or 17, never boxed, the trainers wouldn't even pay attention to you. No. They wanted the young kid that they can mold. They might take you on as a freebie and, and a project, but for typically, uh, one of the parents they had to pay one of the trainers. It might be ten or fifteen dollars a session, mm -hmm. um, you know, to get a a boxing lesson. But that was no guarantee because you were going to like say Frazier's, that little gym he had. Yeah. You had to pay for a trainer. You had to you paid a membership like thirty bucks to belong there. Go there. You could jump rope. You can hit the bag. But if but you no wanted, one's instructing you, nobody's no instructing you. Yeah. Yeah. So we took it, and like I said, it was before LA boxing or any of that, and looked at it like a martial art, broke yeah. it down like a martial art, and then taught it the same way. Yeah. Why not they do it with kickboxing? Yeah. You know, Dutch Genius. kickboxing, Thai boxing. Changed the, it, honestly, it changed the game. It opened it up to where, like, the class, there's so many different exercises and fundamental exercises you can do as a group and make sure everyone gets the same Here's kind of the treatment. problem with that, though. Other people got the idea in the fitness world. Oh. So you got – I was go. there's difference between a coach – and a holder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have guys that hold mitts that have no idea about boxing or no. kickboxing or anything, but they're actually good mitt holders. Yeah. But they have no idea. I would never go with them and then decide to take a fight <laughs> because they have no idea. It's fitness based. Yeah. It's meant to make you tired, sure, burn sure. calories. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's have all you they're seen doing. Some of the like oh, they're holding mitts, but it's like 
the the punching is bad. Oh, like, it's, it's bad. Everything's bad. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm, not, I'm looking at them like yeah. they're not looking to correct you to cheat. No, you. no, that takes time. They're just getting work. They want to keep you moving from A to B. So I was just I always say to people again as boxing became more popular. You also have people that hijacked it who are not boxing trainers, have True. no background. True. You do some research, you can find out they have no idea. They couldn't, they couldn't wrap a set of hands. No. Uh, it, you know, they wouldn't tell you the proper equipment to get. No. They couldn't do nothing. Even their pad work, if you're just doing basic stuff in front, how many of them you see they jump in and out? Yeah. The footwork's a mess, and that's yeah. where you start. You're somebody that knows boxing, understands boxing, it, it, it starts with the feet yeah. and it works its way up. Yeah. Uh, Remember he was big, tall, and his name was Sam. Sam. Remember the one dude? He was like jacked out of his mind. Sam, Sam, he was really, really great guy. He did it with the boxing and um, at the, at the old place here, at the start of the boxing career. Oh, you're talking about Sammy from Larry's. Yes. Sammy from Larry Holmes's okay. gym. I can't think of he. Sammy, Sammy was Iranian. Okay. I can't. You know who knows him real well? Grady. Grady knew him really well. Super nice guy. I was just asking him because he was friends with Frankie. Yeah. So Evan, Evan knows Frankie. And I asked, I asked, I told him, I said, ask about uh, Sammy. I haven't seen him for years. No, he was great. He would come down. So Sammy from, from Larry's, from Larry Holmes's gym would come down and he kind of got the boxing program. He would help out. He would help out with the kids. Like, uh, like Devin McMasters. He would, he would help me out. I mean, it's been it's been years. Great guys though, but that was that was the infant stage of the boxing program. The boxing program's still going. Yeah, still going strong. Yep, so, yep. but that's what happened. It got hijacked, and yeah. you say just like traditional martial arts, people they the they they, 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 they they throw a label on there, and then yeah. everyone goes, "Oh, I I just I box at this place, or I box this place," especially women. I always get them on the phone. It's always the same. Oh, I boxed already. When they come in, they've got cardio gloves. Yeah. The yeah. crappiest wraps you could get. I'm yeah. like, you hit them one of my 150 pound bags, you're going to break your little hands. Yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. watch them. They're like on their toes and they're like powder puffing the bag. Yeah. It's like, okay, you, you did a cardio boxing class is yeah. what you did. Yeah. And there's a difference. And I have to explain to people, everything we teach is instructional. The kickboxing's instructional. The boxing's instructional. The jujitsu's instructional. Um, there's no cardio version of any of that, and that sometimes that's you have to like the you get the it. cardio doing it. Like yeah. when you do it right, you still get you, the workouts even better. People better. tried faking it with jujitsu, but they get exposed, right? Big time. But on the kickboxing and boxing end of it, they can kind of fake a little bit of that. Yeah. So they're not really training live with anybody. Yeah. So it's harder to get exposed. Yeah. If you got in the ring, if, if you, you got in the ring for real, yeah, then yeah. you go, okay, especially some of the younger guys, but it's one of those, yeah. those flags they can hide behind. Yeah, yeah. And that's what happens with those two. And I tell everybody do a little research, Yeah. you know, cause what, if you learn the wrong way, like these women that come through and it's usually with women and trainers take them on. They went from personal training and then they have a little check mark next to them. Oh, I also do boxing. Yeah, you know, And they yeah. start with them. They end up with all these bad habits. And now you're just trying just to a, correct yeah. them. The whole thing them. is, yeah. It Before takes, you can even get the real thing going, you have to undo all the, you have to undo all the and sometimes that's more difficult. That's why I said, do some research. You're going to do jujitsu. Go to a real school, do yeah. some research, learn yeah. it correctly the first time, yeah. and you're going to have a solid, it's a life skill. Yeah. All of those martial arts are life skills. Big time. Learn it. It takes more time, but in the end, you're going to be better off. You have a life skill. You can go anywhere in this world. It's a yeah. universal language. Yeah. Any of these. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. And, you know, we were, so 
talking about owning the gym and you're absolutely right when i tell people to come in here like i'm i'm like this ain't a quick fix this is a life-changing thing like you have to commit and it's not like you have to commit your whole life to this but if you commit to this place the the revenue you get out of there is unbelievable but so i want to ask you a couple questions so what would you say i mean you've been here 24 years what would you say when people come in is the number one reason why most people join the gym number one reason is something happened in their life that made them go oh shit yeah. i gotta learn to protect myself or yeah. i gotta get in really good shape yeah. it's one of those two things if not both it's happened with law enforcement mm -hmm been in a situation yeah. and literally they, they got out of it by the skin of their teeth, yeah. but it scared them enough. Shit. I got to learn how to defend myself. I'm limited on time. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing, people are so out of shape, like COVID scared people that were out of shape enough to where they went. Yeah. Oh shit. I ever get that. I got to get myself. So they want to take care of themselves. They don't like lifting weights. Yeah. They don't like doing running on a treadmill. They want, they got to find something. So Group training itself is always going to keep you more engaged. Mm -hmm. You find people, common interests, you have common likes. Um, you meet a couple times a week at a place and you're both, I mean, you know what it's like when you get done. Yeah. You've got, you know, you're on that high after doing jujitsu. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like it's, 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 it's fun. And when you do it with people that you like it even makes it even more fun yes. and that before you know it time flies that engage you so that's the main reason something happened that that put them on the, I, the alert list where they went oh shit yeah you know i know for me one of the reasons i wanted to find this when i was a younger kid I was like, you know, pretty rebellious and got into fights. I and heard stuff. stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm saying even as like a young, young kid, like, you know, like a five, six years old, like, you know, fighting in school, but like, <laughs> yeah, you know, but just having fun. But then eventually, like, you know, God, it would like, it would eventually get like, you know, beaten out of me, so to speak, where it's like, you know, like after all the years of like, like certain things happening that I was afraid of someone just going for a high five, I would flinch, you know yeah. what I mean? And you get in that mindset, but then I knew it to myself, I was like, I'm not this person and you need, uh, and honestly, that's one of the things that attracted me here is that I wanted to get that person back, you know? And it was, I had already started trying to, but I wasn't going down the right way of doing it. And like, I had gone to a bunch of gyms in the city and like, earn stripes there but it wasn't the same and you know when i found this place that's where you find like a real home and a real path and like that that that's that's one of the things i think is really special about this place but would you say like i don't know when i don't know when people come here with a story like that and with you know they're looking for protection honestly i can kind of see it especially when it's like a younger kid who i'm like this kid probably got bullied at school they don't something. they don't tell you in the beginning you yeah. find out later on down the road yeah. but I know. Yeah. I yeah, know. When yeah. they fill out that paperwork. Yeah. I know. I've never had anybody put, oh, I want to be a world champion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait to compete. Yeah. I've never had any of that. No. You know, they might, they might, they might say some of the more athletic people that come in or they're really good at sport. Those people will say, hey, uh, how long do you, where I fight you know yeah. what do you think those people never last no. they never last no they're all full of shit it's the ones that come in quiet you know from a young kid to yes. an adult young kids it's usually 
they're usually bullied. Yeah. They're introverted. Yeah. Um, they don't feel comfortable yeah. in group settings or, or some of these group sports because you have the niches, you know what I mean? You have yeah. the really good kids that are put on a pedestal. You have the kids that aren't, you know, I always say to everybody, look, if it was really fair, could you take the really athletic kids and say maybe they're not your scholar students and put them in the gifted classes? No, the gifted people would have a freaking fit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you can't take kids that aren't that athletic and expect them to start with it yeah. and starting it. But they do have intramural stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that there is something for these kids. Correct. But martial arts is the best fit for them. Yeah. Especially doing jujitsu. You know, I think that. It gets them in a setting where this is you're in a group class. A lot of times people that are there have gone through the same thing. Um, you're learning skills to defend yourself. You're learning life skills physically. It makes you better at everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets you strong, flexible, good, solid mindset. And I feel like that person um, can overcome a lot after doing jujitsu versus any other sport. And yeah. that's the fit for them. I agree. Um, and even as an adult, the same thing, Yeah. Um, you know, the adults just are better communicators. So they'll tell you, yeah, no, this scared me. This yeah. happened to me. This is why yeah. I'm coming in and, and training. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing it a lot with women now yes. have had close calls. Um, I get it. I, I, you know, this, this happened a couple of years ago, but I had a guy come back to me and say, Hey, thank God. My daughter trained when you, she was younger. This happened her freshman year in college. She got, sure. a, got attacked coming Boy, out, of, yeah. coming out yeah. of a party, yeah. kid drinking, got too aggressive. And uh, I tackled her and she ended up guillotining him <laughs> and he drove her to the ground. Yeah. Like thinking he was just going to boom. And she just closed that guard, guillotined him, put him out. And Let being the... drunk, oh yeah, and he urinated himself. <laughs> so he was humiliated that yeah, way. Yeah. Then he just got his ass kicked by a girl. And no one's and ever gonna mess with this girl. No, and no one's gonna ever mess with this girl. She was a little girl. And the thing is, you have a lot of. I find it big in the uh, the soccer community. And nothing against soccer. I love soccer. Right. But oh, seven days a week, they want your kid. Blah blah blah. And I said, I've never had somebody come back to me and say soccer ever saved their life. No. Ever. No. Ever. Yeah. I've had people come back and say, thank God yeah. my kid trained two or three times a week at your yeah. place. Yeah. Because it saved her ass. And yeah. even with the young boys, it saved them. And and you hear these stories, they're just not out in the public. Yeah. But you hear them more than not. You could be the best soccer player in the world. You get in a situation, you have no training. So I always go, you have to, you have to split that training up. For, for you to put three or four hours a week to decide to do um, a, a, a good martial arts like jujitsu and learn how to protect yourself. You have plenty of time to be good at soccer, football, yes. baseball, yes. and all these other things, yes. but you need to, and you, you don't need to put self-defense comp- in priority. Yeah. And you don't even have to ever compete. No, you just have to know. You have to have their, their life skills. Yeah, exactly. It's a life skill. I, yeah. gonna make, and plus it's going to make you a better, it's going to make you a better soccer player. It's going to make you a better football player. Oh, um, it, it improves all that. Even, it makes you better at doing your homework. It makes you better at doing your chores. Just because mentally you're so much stronger than you'll ever be. And focus. I couldn't agree more. I'll tell you. I told my wife. I was like, it's a non-starter. I don't give it. Like, I'll. I'll. If I have to drag her here, she's you coming. Find it. You got to get the girls started young. You. You got to. You got to get the girls. You got to get the girls started young because once you get into the teenage years, say 12, 13, it becomes awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, oh, yeah, young, yeah, yeah. they're young, it's not. Yeah. It's it's normal. It's yeah. the natural thing. Once they start getting into the teenage years, yeah, it can be they awkward. can't be rolling around with so, boys. So yeah. I just say, I say, and there's some that it doesn't matter, but right. I, 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 I always, 
I always go get them started young and it's going to be a normal thing for girls do. They're not going to look at it any differently and they're going to have fun. And it's the best martial art. Yes. If they want to defend themselves, this is going to be the yes. best martial art. Yes. Bar none. Size doesn't matter. It's Size a great equalizer. Matter. 100%. So I, I feel that a lot. You're starting to see it with Americans. European, Asian countries tend to take that stuff yeah. more serious, faster. Over here, you're just starting to see it where people are going, okay, I don't just have to fight. I can do this. Get in shape. Learn how to defend myself. Yeah. My kids come in. They're yeah. learning how to defend myself. And that's why the program is set up like that. Kids and then adults. Did you know this too, that in PA, there is now a PIAA state championship for women's wrestling? Yeah. There's yep. enough women's wrestling teams in the yep. state of Pennsylvania that there's a women's wrestling PI yes. state championships. North Penn has a women's team, yep. right? Like they are, it, it, and I honestly think- 20 years ago, that would have never been. Ne oh, never. And I'll tell you this, the, and Steve Cabot told me he runs the youth program for North Penn and they did like a, a youth night where it was they took four youth guys from the, or four youth kids from North Penn went against like four youth kids, I think from uh, CB West or something. Right. And he said it was three boys and a girl and all it was on the North Penn team. And they pinned all four of the CB West kids. And he said, the girl beat the shit out of this yep. kid. And I'll tell, I tell him, I was like, dude, when you're younger, Girls, they're like a nine-year-old girl versus nine-year-old boy. A nine-year-old oh, yeah. girl is gonna whoop that kid's ass oh, yeah. every damn time. I, I tell they the parents are vicious. I, I tell the parents, like until they start to get into the teenage years, um, your boy's gonna have a tough time with the girls. Yeah, it's just the way it is. It is. Um, and they're, they and they're they, smarter, they're stronger, oh, they're they got, and, they, and they have oh. a they have a switch. Oh, oh yeah. So um they're oh they're I'll tell you, they are cutthroat. There is no like once that goes, that goes. So perfect, and then Another question you must get, right? And, you know, I think people see, like, especially if you go to, like, the LA Fitnesses of the world, they're looking for quick fixes and things like mm -hmm. that, right? Do people come in here and ask you, like, hey, how do I do get better at this quicker? Because I'll tell you this, like, when I have a kid come to me and say, I want to fight, right? Like, I want to have a fight. I was like, okay, come to every class, and then we can talk, right? Like, yep. start coming to every class, and we can talk. Once you do that, then we can, you know, once you've, you need to go to every class, to then graduate to the point where you're you need more than the class, then that's when we'll do personal training. Then I'll put you in camp. Then we can have yep, a fight. Yep. Right. What but like what when people come to you ask how to do, be better quicker, what do you tell them? Just train as much as you can yep. and be consistent. Oh. I'm gonna give you direction. I'm gonna give you advice. I know you're not gonna take it, but I'm gonna <laughs> give it to you anyway. If you listen to me, yeah, you'll be fine. Ones that did. Dental bill. Oh. Forbatum. He listened to me. Sydney Outlaw. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Show up, train. What's the difference with them? They listened. They went to all the classes. They never thought they were above the class. I get a lot of people, oh, I want to do private lessons. They almost feel like when you get people that are doing a lot of private lessons, they almost are taking themselves out of the group, putting themselves here and going, eh, they might do one class once in a while, but they're doing Mostly private lessons. Yeah. The private lesson is either if you're competing to get you sharpened up for a competition, that's why you would do those lessons. Or if you're a new person and you're kind of stuck. And then the other person is the person who travels for work. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't make all the classes, but they want to keep up with everything. That's what it's for. Mm -hmm. It's not worth, it's not for a person who lives 10 minutes from the gym and they just don't want to be in the class because yeah. they don't want all the people to deal with. Yeah. Um. That's, they're training partners. They're going to actually make you better. The different size people to train with, the different body types, that's what's going to make you better. So 
come in, be consistent, train as often as you can. Yeah. Different, try and have different training partners um, and, and consistency. And that's going to help. Consistency is king. Can, 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 yeah, that's going to make the difference. Um, I always tell people you can only be the new person for so long. Yes. If you're a guy that comes in and you train once a week or once every other week as need be, and you're never here and you start with a certain group of people, They're, you're going to go 30 days down the road. You're going to have less people that are going to want to partner up with you. Yep. 60 days, 90 days down the road. And they're going to freaking go. There's no way. I don't want this guy with me. He's yeah. lost. He has no idea what he's doing. He's a slug. He's so yeah. And then that guy goes, oh, I've been here three months. I don't want to be with the new people. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's beyond them because his group has moved on. Yeah. And then you go six months down the road. He goes to train with them. The people that he started with, he's thinking, I oh, should be we, equal yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah. And, and they're, they're kicking his ass. Yeah, and they're ragged going, I don't get it. Buddy, you show up once a week. Oh, I always I always say you that. You preach that. And honestly... I freaking hate when I like I don't do that, and every time I'm like, "Fuck, what was the second move that they?" Sh-? You know yep. what I mean? You know, like even, but I didn't. I do like that. I mean, I I video some of them, so yeah. I can, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can look at the videos, but but consistency, which, yeah, consistency, having an open mind, and um, you know, getting out there. And that's kind of why I have different instructors too, yeah, because people sometimes maybe the way I'm conveying it, you're just not getting, it, and all of a sudden someone else just yeah, words are a little different, yeah, it sticks. You know, um, plus two, I think, and I've, and I told you about this and I experienced this where one of the best things you preach about being here is that if you're a veteran here or someone who's been here for a while, it is your goddamn job to help with the new people. We don't teach like this shit, like, yeah, you've, we're giving you a life skill, but part of being part of this is you need to pass on that information, right? Like I remember I, I ripped the, the Muay Thai guys, a new one on Thursday, Cause Josh was helping the kids. I had just come in and they're doing their sparring rounds and like the round had ended and they're all standing around. And after, and I was like, all right, let's go next round. Like, and I yelled at him and I was like, Hey, dipshits. Like you've all been here long enough. You know, someone, you know how this works, get your shit together. You know what the next round is. You know, to switch partners. We shouldn't have to tell you this. You know what I mean? Like for the veteran guys, you guys should have stepped up and taken the lead. Yep. This is bullshit, you know? And they kind of got the message there, but on the Muay Thai or on the jujitsu side, like, I don't know how many people have come up to me like, or I love to like, if I get tapped in a, in a role, right. Like right after we're done the role, they'll talk and be like, look, you were doing this. And that's why I was able to do this. Or you did this. That's what, and that's all you need. And then getting better. Exactly. Your training part, your, your Karen, your favorite saying, your training partners are your tools, right? You don't want to break your tools. You know what I mean? You just want to sharpen them. Yep. I make you better. You're going to make me better. Couldn't agree more. And that's how it gets passed on. You get to people, they get to a certain level. And they start separating themselves from the group. Yeah. Ridiculous. And yeah. then when they start separating them from the group, yeah, you know, it, they're not, they're not, they're not, that's offensive. They're not, they're not giving back. Like the purple pal, pal, and they, yeah, they're just like, uh, you know, but they could work with them. They could come exactly. and help them out. They, you and can they, still, if you have five rules, do four with the upper belts and one with the lower belt. And one. then you need the break round anyway to just go over yeah. and, and hey, look, when I tell a guy when, you know, like, the, you know, the, you know, on the boxing Muay Thai side, there's no like you know beating on an outskilled guy. Yeah. Like, you know if you're in there with a lesser skilled opponent, work on your defense. You shouldn't be touched by a punch. You shouldn't be. Yes. You shouldn't be passed, or you shouldn't have a thing put on you if you're with a lower guy. Your defense should be impeccable. Yeah, the best tool our students: white, brown, black. You name whoever. They're the best students. They're the best ones to put their hand out to help everybody. I couldn't agree they more. The best students. Yeah, that's and that's where I always hear that people people that come in are always like, well. I've been to other places. 
I mean, everybody's so nice. I'm getting yeah. greeted in the parking lot on my way in. It does yeah. make people feel comfortable. I agree. Because you get through those doors, it's so it's uncomfortable. Intimidating. It's, it's intimidating. intimidating. Yeah. And uh, people go, when someone puts their hand out to introduce themselves yeah. before you even walk through the yes. place, it definitely makes you feel more comfortable. And they're saying hi. You yeah. know, I couldn't agree more. I think everyone here, I, you know, Mike Vrabel said this, and he was on the New England Patriots. He has a bunch of Super Bowl rings. And he said the best teams in the NFL are the ones where the veterans are grooming the younger guys to take their jobs. Those are the best teams. That's what this place is. It's not that we're grooming someone to take our job, but they're grooming them because it just raises the level of the gym. And I'll tell you, that's a, I don't care who you, who the hell you are. You can be whatever belt. You go in that room when it's a packed night, that's a rough room to go through. Yep. And you're going to run into a bunch of – even like the purples and the blues, there's a bunch of good guys over there that they can give you – even if you're a black belt, they're going to give you a tough time. And we have you a know? group – I mean, we have a good match. Yeah. We have – 30, 30, 35 to 55 is the new norm, right? Yeah. Family-based. Yeah. White-collar professional. Yep. And military. A lot of um, law enforcement. A lot of law enforcement. A lot of military. That. So that. that being the bulk. um, And then with that, that you have a lot of the young kids. Yeah. yeah big wrestling community. Yes. So a lot of that in here. So you kind of know what your base is. And then it spans out from there. Where 20 years ago, it was late twenties, early thirties, young athletic, and they just wanted to go and, and, and compete. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. looking, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we had fight when we were having fight camps, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Remember those Sunday sessions? God damn. Those Saturday and Sunday sessions. Grown men crying. God damn. Those. All right. Were, Ryan Darstein walks in. <laughs> I was so sure. It was seven days in a row. I walked in and I was going to start crying and I looked around and, Nobody else was crying, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to be the only one. Now that's Ryan. Yeah, dude, I'll tell you when you said get to the stairwell at the old place, I was like, God damn, not this. I, I told everybody everything you guys are doing is nothing I did, and I had yeah. people in the back. Me. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. All no, of it. I think. Uh, I I think that went without saying. Everyone, they're like, you wouldn't do anything to us that you hadn't done. No, yeah. I went through it. Did the same exact yeah. thing. Um, I always said, prepare now, and when you know, because people. You know, you get younger people there now that are having interest in competing. And I go, whether you want to get an interest in doing MMA or or, or boxing or kickboxing, yeah. there's a there, there's a place to start. So be consistent training. Um, you know, obviously you have to up your, you know, your your, your training when you go to compete. Yeah. But you can't, you know, twice a week, three times a week, you're a hobbyist. Yes. Right? You're correct, a hobbyist. Correct. I would never go and compete. You're there to showcase your skills, not learn new skills when you compete. Yes. So if you're competing, you should be there five, six days a week. Yeah. Compete or for, for, to, to get ready for a competition and not, um, you know, four weeks out. Yeah. Yeah. That should be three months out. You go from three days a week to five or six. Yes. Now, you're going to be ready. You're there to showcase your skills, not learn new skills. Yeah. You know? And um, that way, if you lose, you, 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 yeah. you lost the best version. You know, yeah. you put 110 in, you just have to get more skill and get, yeah. become better. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your conditioning. Yeah. If you lose, Hey, if you lose, if you go out on your shield, you go out on your shield. That's one thing. Yes. Right. But if you go in there and you lost because you didn't have the conditioning or you didn't have the training, that's on you. Yes. And that, and you, and you'll feel that for the rest of your damn you know, life. When, and, and this is the big thing when new people come in, even about training, they go, well, if I want to train once a week, why wouldn't you sign me up for once a week? I go, 
because you're going to be you're going to be sore more than not. And after two weeks, you're going to fall so far behind. It, it you're going to feel like you're not getting anything out of it. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm not going to sign you up for that. You're you're and same thing with a child. Someone goes, well, they got they got soccer the rest, and all I could do is squeeze one day. And well, if that's all you're willing to sacrifice, um, you're, you're not going to get it. You're yeah. not your your child's not going to get something out of it. They're going to fall behind. Then they're not going to want to do it. Yeah. So why would I, why would I do that? You yeah. two being the, the minimum, the bare minimum mm-hmm. three, ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to get something out of it. You're going to feel good. I go, it's like Your going to school. You show up once a week for school, but yet schools five days a week. Yeah. You're going to fall behind pretty quick. Don't you think? Yeah. Wow. Well, I never looked at it. I never, I never looked at it like that. And I go, that's how you have to look at it. Look, once you have a solid foundation and your work or your schedule only allowed you once a week, you already, you got five years under your belt. Yeah. You can pick up the pieces and go, you already got a foundation, mm-hmm. but if you don't have that, then and, and, you know, you need to train. So we are coming close to the top of time. I do have like two more questions. I just want to ask. So yep. if you had to say, so like we said, it's been 24 years we've been here. So there's a lot of, I would wonder, I would want to know what you would say to this is that what advice would you give to someone who's opening up a gym now? Like, what would you, what was some advice you would give them? Because I remember a couple of years ago, I was bartending still, and so was my brother. And someone approached us, hey, we'd front you if you guys wanted to open up your own place. And I'd, and I remember talking to my, the guy I was working for at the time. And I said, hey, someone came to us with this offer. Like, what, what would you say? And he told me, he's like, look, if you're going to open up your own spot, just know you're working every day. Every day you work you know, and he gave us like great advice and things like that. But so for someone opening up a gym nowadays, what's some advice that you would give them? Well, this is the person that wants to do it. Yeah. It's usually the person that shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're wow. not. Wow. That is fucking true. <laughs> you know, you have all these people and you're going, wow, it really should be this person. But yeah. It's usually the person that's the lowest on the food chain. Yeah. Maybe got themselves a little bit better. Right, right, right. Uh, Chopped a little wood. Yeah. You know, and they might be the best version of them, but that does not mean that they should be teaching this nor having a school. But it's also, you're not even, it's not as much teaching as you're create. you created a community, right? So, and my thought, if you're, if you're, if you're going to have a Henzo named gym with Henzo's blessing, you're not creating a gym, you're creating a community, you're creating a family. And that's a major responsibility. So here's the biggest thing. Okay. People go and they won't like what you say to them. If you say that to them, like, yeah. I don't think you're qualified to really do this. That's yeah. besides yeah. every day. Think about working. You're living. It. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're maintaining your place. This is like a you're child. Cleaning out. Oh yeah. Every little problem that comes along, you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, it just never ends. <laughs> Yeah, it's good and bad. So just because you like doing jujitsu, it doesn't mean it's like people in the fitness world. They open up a gym. It doesn't mean that that is going to be like that. Yes, you have. It has to be. I always tell people you're going to do it. One, you want to be good at it. Yeah. Two, it's got to be like a passion. There's a difference between a passion and a hobby. Somebody who's passionate will think about it every day. It doesn't matter what's going on. In this world, you're training. You trained on New Year's Day. We trained on you were training Christmas. We, you, you, this place is always open. You, you were training and just kind of going on. It was a sad time, but you just kept going. Let me tell you, the hobbyist, 
that when they they'll think of ways like this, everything has to be perfect for them to train that day. I always tell people they think of more excuses uh, on not to train than on how they can yeah, train. Okay. I remember when I had a broken hand and she's like, you can't train after a week. I got a hacksaw. Remember that? I hacksawed the thing off. Boom. I wrapped it up. Yeah. Yep. And, um, Said. the cast in the corner. <laughs> she's like, you're nuts. I go, no, I got to train. You f- <clears throat> I don't know if that's correct, but you find a way to train. Yeah. 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 We don't, More- we don't, we don't condone that. I do not. <laughs> most yeah. people find a way to come up with excuses yes oh i can't oh oh i got this oh i hurt my i hurt my big toe yeah there's always a reason they have to look at themselves and go yeah. oh my god i remember but when you're constantly thinking like excuses yeah on not the train that might not be the thing for you so my my advice would be to somebody just because you like doing it yeah doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the right thing it's yeah. a long road the other thing is if you think you're going to be rich doing it you might as well forget that yeah you can make a good living for yourself but you're doing a lot of free yeah uh i couldn't even tell you over the years and you know this i've taken on kids that could not afford yeah that i, I took was, them i was one of them yeah uh, yeah yeah i took them under my wing yeah and not just class time a lot of one-on-one time yeah. i've constantly yeah you know there's a lot of people who are very successful now in this and are very good in this business and many years i took them under my wing free yeah they did the classes they were with me yeah. personal training um private lessons and absorbed everything yeah. um i made sure they had everything they needed um to be successful um but you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah, it yeah. really is not. It's unique. I think yeah. a lot of people realize, oh, I'm good. I feel like I'm pretty good at this when they're really not. And they're like, ah, you know, well, you said it too. Plus, too, it's a big difference between being good at it and being good at teaching it, too. You know, that's a big difference. Yeah. Look, if you're a, if you're an introverted person and you have to teach with 40, 50 people, that might not be good for you. Yeah. You, you, you also you can't go, well, I just don't like talking to people. People come in or they call. You know, you want you have to be able to engage yes. and talk. And sometimes yeah. that's difficult for people. Yeah. I've had people email me and I go, well, I need to call you. I need to, you know, I, I we just don't do walk-ins. Yeah. You have to make an appointment. That way I know who you are. Yes. Coming in my building, you have to provide ID. Mm-hmm. I have people in here I'm responsible for. You just can't just come walking in. Yep. So you need to call me and I'll set you up and I'll make an appointment. And I've had people go, I only go by email. They go, well, this isn't the place for you. I don't like to talk. Yeah. Well, this isn't the place for you. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to have you come in here. I want to know who you are. Yeah. That you're a person. Especially that... too with everything that's happened. Can you kidding me? No. You know, and so, there's kids in here. Yeah. Yeah. We just had that. So it, it, people get upset when they go. Because every now and then I get somebody that does not want to pr- provide ID when they come in the building and they don't want to talk on the phone. There are two no-nos. You'll never come to my academy. Mm-hmm. You have to make an appointment. Um, if you want to take classes and you want me to put some time into you, well, you gotta you gotta give back a little bit. Sure. Talk to me, give me some information on you, and I'll make sure that you have a great experience yeah. coming in. Yeah. And then I always go, once you're a member, you're gonna appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, you're in a safe, clean environment. Yeah. We just we just had somebody that left their wallet here. You know, a couple of weeks ago you on a Saturday. Your wallet with cash sticking out. And here that's and exactly you, what it was. Yeah. And I ended up finding out whose wallet it was. It was actually um, Jesse Herzl, who found it in the bathroom. 
I called him up. I was here for a couple hours on a Saturday and he came by and all the money was there in the cards. And he goes, any other gym that would have never happened. Never right? in a million and I, years. He goes, it's, it's, it's literally, I always tell everybody, it's like a big, it's like a big Ivy league school, but yet it's the hometown college, you yeah, know, the hometown school. Yeah. Um, that's the feel you get. So, um, you know, he got his wall back, all his money. He was so excited. He goes, and that's why I'm here with my family. You know? So, all right. We are coming to the top of time. So before we get out of here, Rich, is there anything you want to say? I want to thank you for being on here. And if you'd be willing, I'd love to have you back. on. Absolutely. We'll do it again. I can honestly, I want to get you. And when you were with me in Sydney, that was such a blast. You're a natural co-host. So if anyone watching, listening, wants to be on the show with me and Rich, hit us up in the comments. Or if anyone has any ideas, let us know on socials. We'll have all the links in the description. We could just make fun of them. I mean, oh, we we could could do that. We could rip people to shreds on here. The, um... Having yeah, fun, yeah, but yeah. no, the stories, constructive criticism. Right, the stories you're talking about, Sydney, was not like, even all of them. That's that, that was like a, when you're sneaking in the burgers and the cookies <laughs> and the you didn't even tell the swimming story. <laughs> no, but here he's learning to swim now. Oh, I'll tell it real quick. Okay. So he's learning to swim now. Okay, we went to swim many years ago. He's yeah. looking to cut weight, he didn't yeah. want to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to go to the pool and then yeah. I asked him if he knows how to swim. And he's like, yeah, kind of. And it looked like the doggy paddle. I'm like, hell no. Oh, you mean drowned yeah. in both of us. Yeah, so yeah. I went to go up to the front desk to get swimmies. And Sid's going, coach, I don't want to wear the swimmies. No, I, I, it's humiliating, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're like, I'm how like, are we going to drown either? No, and I said, your big ass will drown both of us. Yeah. You're not going in the pool. I seen you swim a little bit. Not happening. We're going to put the swimmies. Well, make a long story short. His arms were too big to put the swimmies on. So we get... So, yeah, so he couldn't get into the pool that day. Here, a couple of days later, we're at a bar restaurant eating, having a couple of drinks. Sid's with us. And the, it was one of his health coach and his swimming coach from high school. So he gets talking. He goes, oh, I, you know, I didn't know Sid knew you guys. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, he trained with us, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, they used to call him anchor in school. I go, <laughs> anchor? He goes, oh, yeah, he would dive in the pool and go right to the bottom. We have to go in and get him. <laughs> I was like, I looked at Sid. I said, "You never told me." That. Yeah, yeah, you could have mentioned just, that. What the? Which is funny is a couple of days prior, we went, we were going. I was going to put him in the pool to swim. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, it's just crazy. Yeah, could have so, lost Sid. <laughs> like you could have told me about the anchor story. He's like, ah, coach. Yeah, I mean, I was in high school. Yeah, doesn't matter. It was three years ago. Yeah, me. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was something like that. Three or four years. Yeah, yeah, man. That's yeah. I mean, but the, anchor. Yeah, but that no, but I would love to get just more. But I I want to get more people from the different black belts and stuff. I would love to just get like a, an episode just with one guy, you, me, and one other guy, and like just talk about their progression to getting their black belt, like Daniel Bill or Jr. or you know Padilla, like anybody. Like, oh, Padilla's been on the show a couple so times. He's, he's one great. of the guys that I said he should have. He should go out on his own and have yeah. a school. He was one of those guys. Has a skill and can teach. And he could teach. Look, yeah. you have to have a personality. Yeah. Teaching is a whole nother art in itself. Yeah. There's many good instructors out there. One, if they're really good, they have no patience for teaching. No. They just don't have the patience. That's what makes Henzo a rarity. The other thing is you have to have a strong emphasis on the basics. And it's your job as the instructor to make that part of it fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you're building and a foundation yeah. and engaging. If you're, if you're introverted and you don't like to talk, that could be complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you have to be a lot of animated with your, 
your personality yeah. and, and that keeps people engaged. Yeah. You're very monotone. You know, it could, that could create problems. And I yeah. think that that's where there's a lack in some of it. People are yeah. good. Yeah. They know how to teach. Yeah. But, but then Napoleon dynamite. You can, know? Can, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can they get it across? Can you get it? So I think personality plays a big part. There's a lot of little things that come in. Great. Yeah. It's something, I mean, that's a whole, I always tell people just cause you got your black belt. I mean, you really, if you want to do this, you should mirror another black belt teaching classes. All my guys come from within, Yeah, you know, and they've spent, yeah. and that's you know, on both sides, on both sides. Yeah. Early on, I would bring them in. As I noticed, they started to have an interest. They were good at what they did. They had all the attributes for teaching personality can yeah. convey, could speak well, articulate, yeah. That the stuff that you would need, um, and can work with anybody. I start bringing them in as a helper. Yeah. And typically, like jujitsu, purple belt, somebody over here boxing, kickboxing, three, four years, they're yeah. consistent. Boom, and they have, and I start bringing them in. Now they get comfortable. So you can't go from zero to a class with fifty or sixty people. Nope. You're gonna literally freeze and be like, oh, fumbling. Yeah. So it's a comfort you're level. Make it exciting for that. Yeah. No, it, yeah, you're so that that comes from within, and I always say, you know, I've been successful um, because of the people around me. It allowed me to be successful. You know, like Uncle Greg, um, Greg Hoke when he was here, yeah. JR, yeah. um, Isaac. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a bunch of people, yourself, Pidia, uh, uh, Pidia, Harry, Josh, 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 really, uh, really Dan Smedberg yeah. when he was here. Like I said yeah. Josh Josh Waller, uh, yeah. and it goes on and on. Yeah. And there's probably a couple people I'm missing here, but they allow me to be successful. Because if I got to travel or step away, you guys are running the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But people are used to some of your classes. Yeah. Like I always said, like I might be teaching a morning class in one day and teaching a night class the next day, and then over here teaching a boxing class the following day yeah. or, you know, or vice versa yeah. um, or a kickboxing. So being able to have guys that I trust the, the members know and trust that's a huge part. Mm -hmm. It makes it easier on me when I travel, but I think it also helps you become successful um, because people get connections with them and go, Oh, wow. I really like them. Yeah. We want everybody to be successful. Yeah. We want you all to be successful. Yeah. And I think too, it, it just helps with the community. Yeah. yeah. Even with Enzo, as successful as he is, he always said it's everybody else that, that helped build that, that house, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he was giving us and we're giving back and, and then expanding. And, and, um, you yeah. know, I think that's the way you know, look, you're, you're going to be successful that way, but it's a good, it's a good way to be, um, yeah. you know, having solid people around you. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. Well, Rich, thank you so much. Pleasure, buddy. Great. Karen, thank you so much. I know you guys can't see her, but Karen's here also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's big. Well, things that she remembers. I, she's got the, I mean, yeah. you know, come on. She's the star of the show. Kind of, they did yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You're in like, about 20 some years ago. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I was like, what were we talking about an hour ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
So this has been another episode of the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle. He's Rich Lada. She's Karen Lada. We're at, and we're at the Henzo Gracie PA Academy in Hatfield. In case you're wondering, you can find all our stuff and all our content and all podcast platforms and YouTube at Work Perspectives Podcast. You know, it's on Instagram at Work Perspectives Podcast. You can join us on Twitter and TikTok at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email us at workperspectives@gmail.com. Also, in the description of this episode, we'll have links to the Henzo Gracie PA Academy Instagram, Facebook. Twitter and YouTube channels. So if you'd like to be if you'd like to be a member, contact us at the gym. We'll have the web, uh, website link in there also. We'll also opening up other locations in Hatfield or not Quaker Town. Lehigh. Lehigh Valley. We're not and there'll be other Henzo Gracie schools, more Henzo Gracie schools coming Coming. soon in Quaketown, Lehigh Valley. So watch out for that. All that stuff will be on the socials and the links for that will be in the description of this episode. This has been another episode of the Work Inspectors Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stick around for the ad read. Thanks. See you.